compliments of the season. It's an expression we hear. Well, we're in the season of Christmas. All right, okay, that much is obvious. But it's the fact that we are in a season that interests me today. Because God has times and seasons. The Bible says in Psalm 31, verse 15, my times are in your hand. And that's said in the context of the psalmist saying, rescue me from my enemies and all that. I don't know if you're in a situation where you feel you need to be rescued today, but the point is, good times or difficult times, your times are in his hand. And what that means is whatever the season, whatever the day, whatever the hour, God is with you. And you are not a helpless victim of all the external circumstances that are coming against you. And sometimes we feel like a cork bobbing up and down on the oceans and the tempests of life, tossed here and there, without purpose, without any sense of what's happening to us, as if we're living in a chaotic world, a chaotic universe, there's no plan, there's no purpose, but the truth is, God always has a plan, because he always has a purpose. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 1, helps us by saying, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. In other words, what's, what the writer is saying here is that, is that whatever you see with the visible world, visible eyes, physical eyes, whatever you see around you, is, is not even half the picture. It is only a tiny, tiny part of the whole. And the, the greater truth is this, that the invisible world, where God inhabits, where his kingdom is ruling and manifesting, that rule of God of the heavens over the earth is what is significant. Now, there are times and seasons which we recognize I think of the weather, summer, autumn, winter, spring. We are in the season of winter. If you like it, fine. If you don't, well, you just say, don't worry. In a few days' time, something's going to happen. There's going to be a shift. And that shift is the shortest day of the year, which means from then onwards, it gets lighter and lighter and brighter. There is a word for somebody today. You are about to enter the darkest, shortest time. But from that moment onwards, it's going to get brighter and brighter for you because a shift is happening in the spiritual realm over your life. A new time, a new season is coming. I want to say much more about that. But shifts and seasons of life. Well, here we are, the Christmas season. I think it began about July time. Did you see that? You know, the first Christmas light, the first commercial thing, there's only X number of shopping days to Christmas, and some of, sometimes we ignore that, and Christmas seems to start earlier and earlier, but its season is really, really upon us. There are seasons in every, every part of life, and they're all wonderful. They're wonderful. Amanda and I entered a new season this year, a season of grandparents. Now, this is the first time I've been able to say, I need a lot of inner healing before I could say it, uh, I am Yes, a grandfather. Now, listen, no, 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 don't, 
No, no. Hey, hey, hey. You say, I'm too young. I'm too young. I'm too young for this. But um, anyway, uh, uh, daughter and grandchild with us, and suddenly it's very, very nice. It's a nice, it's a nice season. And uh, it's a, yeah, now I'm just saying that because there are seasons, and I'm enjoying this season, and there are more seasons. But the season of your life is there for a purpose. Because seasons are purposed and driven by God. And they have a purpose. One season gives way to another season. And that season comes at a higher level, bringing you closer to fruition and fulfillment of God's promise in your life. Now, the Christmas season marks the greatest change in seasoning, the greatest seasonal change ever in history, where 2,000 years ago, everything changed, everything was different, nothing would ever be the same again, Messiah came, he showed up. Uh, we've been talking, well at least Bruce has been talking in the last couple of Sundays about the Word, focusing on the Word. It's interesting because that's also been in my heart and spirit. I think Bruce spoke about being pregnant with the Word and then delivering that prophetic fulfillment, that word-based fulfillment in your heart and spirit and talk about some of the processes that took place in order for that to come, come to pass. I'm also focusing on the Word. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and that very same Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Many of you will know that the Word for Word in the New Testament is Logos, Logos, and it means lots of things. It's a very rich word. Uh, it means the expression of the mind of God, the will of God, and the purpose of God. That's very interesting to me because uh, a number of years ago, I came across the work of a psychologist by the name of Viktor Frankl, who developed a counseling therapy based on this concept of purpose. Uh, and he said one of the most important parts of our human personality, the way we are made, is that we require purpose. And it was a therapeutic experience for him to discover meaning and purpose. And it all began when he was struggling under the, the, the uh, uh, concentration camps in the Second World War. And he saw great horrors and experienced great personal suffering and tragedy. But he noticed something. In the midst of all that darkness and pain and unimaginable inhumanity and brutality, it was perhaps the darkest time of the whole of the 20th century. And God help us that never such a time should ever happen again. But during that time, he noticed that there were certain people who seemed to be, I wouldn't exactly say flourishing, but people who were able to cope much better with what they were experiencing, the starvations, the beatings, the privation, the inhumanity, the indignity, the hardships of living in Nazi concentration camps. And he looked into these people, just observed them as much as he could. And he discovered in every case the people who lived longer, who were healthier, 
than the others and who seemed to be a little bit more at peace were those who seemed every day to do something for somebody else. If they had a little bit of food, they would share it. If there was a little bit of comfort that they could give to somebody else, they would do it. If there was a word of encouragement, they would give it. They would be there. And he realized that this was the greatest purpose of all, to live your life in an other-centered focus. That whatever you're going through, you give, you serve, you help. And that is of great psychological significance. In our generation, in our time, the issue of mental health is very, very much in focus. And I think some of it's positive in as much as people are far more prepared to speak about mental health issues rather than feel ashamed and not want to talk about it and speak only about physical health. But I have seen in my own counseling ministry and helping people through dark times in their lives to encourage them, no matter how dark it is, no matter how they feel, just that if every day they can do something which enriches somebody else's life. Because what you sow that way reaps a hundredfold back in your own experience. So it's interesting that both the Bible and psychology and many other disciplines of life show us that purpose is everything. So the word came, but before the word came, you must understand, he always existed. You see, we, we think about the birth of Jesus at Christmas, uh, but how many of us actually wonder where he was before? He wasn't created in his mother's womb and without having previous existence. In fact, he always existed as the word of God, as the son of the father, which means always, even before the world was created uh, and, and a long, long time, even before he came into this world, the word already existed as the full expression of the father's mind the Father's will, and the Father's purpose. And that was so real, so actual, so perfect, and so complete that he was not just a thought in the Father's mind, but he is so real that he himself is a, the second person of the Trinity, personal, divine, and carrying the very fullness of God. And it is that word who was made flesh, as John's gospel records. So what it means is that the eternal word, who is the full, divine, complete expression of the Father's purpose, that word took upon himself something else. He added to himself. He took on human flesh. It doesn't mean to say he had to subtract something. No, no, no. He lost nothing by means of his Godhead. That's why Jesus was able to be and claim to be and accurately claim to be God manifested in the flesh. Oh, no. His divinity remained. That's wonderful. And the mystery of it all is so mind-boggling and worship-provoking. 
And that's one of the beauties of Christmas. We focus on all of that, the joy of trying to grasp the glory of it all. And so he became man by addition and took upon himself his already existing divine nature, another nature, the human nature, and these two natures are joined together in one person. He wasn't a spiritual schizophrenic. He was one person, two natures joined together in complete harmony. And that to me is a picture of what God has accomplished for us in Christ. God and man reconciled, joined together, that we, though we come from such a broken, dark, and sinful background outside of Christ, in Christ, we are restored and reunited with our true purpose, which is expressing and enjoying the love of the Father. So Jesus Christ on this planet was the full and perfect expression of the Father's mind, will, and purpose, but this time in human form on the earth. Try to imagine what it was like. Try to imagine the impact. Try to imagine the significance of that event. God is always present in his creation, but he's not always visible. But the invisible became visible. And, the, and in human form, and, and being like us in every way, apart from sin, sitting where we sit, going through what we experience, the, imagine what that must mean spiritually, the significance of it. We know that there were many hundreds and indeed thousands of years of preparation, the prophetic preparation, sowing a seed here, bringing a revelation there, speaking a word of promise which was going to be fulfilled when Christ came. And after all of those years of preparation, the moment arrived, exactly right on schedule. The word was made flesh. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. And remember this, when he comes, he comes to bring the purpose of God. The moment you re receive Jesus Christ, the moment you say, Lord, I want you in my life, suddenly you are connected with divine purpose and destiny. And everything about God's plan and God's purpose in your life is activated in your experience and becomes fulfilled. Up until that time, you may recognize it by some dreams, some aspirations. And I noticed this in my friends. I work very hard to try and build relationship and maintain relationships with a whole set of, of people who don't, who don't yet know Christ. I don't just tell you, go out there and evangelize. I do it myself. And I do it by getting to know people and listening to people. And, and discovering that the people who, who seem to be the furthest away from God still have a hunger. There's something there, and there's a witness there. There's a testimony there, and they are seeking that and seeking that. I just sometimes, if only I could flick that switch and turn the light on and suddenly say, I see it all. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And the signs are there pointing to Jesus. One of the things that fascinates me the most is that while this uh, manifestation of God, God manifested in the flesh, was so life-changing, bringing in a, a whole new season 
And this season is a long range season. We're 2,000 years into it. And every year takes us closer and closer to the fulfillment, the climax of everything, when God's kingdom, which is present now, shall be fully manifested. And you know, if I was planning it, I would say, okay, at this point in history, we want all bells ringing, singing and dancing in the streets, every knee bowing, all kings, all kingdoms, all gold, all wealth, all acknowledgement, all honor, all glory to be released and immediately laid at the feet of this Messiah child. It didn't happen that way. Oh, but there were signs. Yes, there were. There were there was the wealth laid before him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were those who, whose ears were opened and eyes were opened to what was actually happening. Very often it was the obscure people, the people who were despised by society, the humble shepherds just on the hills outside of Bethlehem. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the heavenly host appeared. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. For to you this day, a Savior has been born. They received that. But a number of months ago, at least 18 months ago, before that, there were some people, some Eastern people. Somehow, I don't understand this fully, but they were exploring. There was something about their hearts. They were wanting to know the truth. They didn't have the revelation of God as far as I know, but they had something. And they saw in their prognostications or in their predictions, they saw a star. This is the star of Messiah. This is the star of the King. We'll follow the star. What does that say? That says even people who are way outside of where we are in terms of having the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, those of us not only who have Bibles, but who know that the Bible is the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We know this stuff. We're walking in the light of that revelation. But there are people who have not yet entered it. Back in that day, I don't know if there was anybody who could go all the other way and say to these wise men, here wise men, uh, whom you seek is such and such. I don't know that there were those kinds of messengers. But God spoke to them in a sign and they followed a sign that led to Jesus. You know, one of the things that you can do, I discover this when I'm speaking to people who don't yet know, know Jesus, when you listen to them and listen to them and listen to them and listen and listen and listen some more. That's the first thing. Listen more, speak less. And when you hear, you just see here and there, little signs, little signs. I said to a friend of mine, I said, you know, I've just had, a, I've just had this idea in my mind as I see you as a young child, six years of age. Wow, it's amazing. Well, you say, what, what? It's amazing. And I see you praying to God. What? Yeah, saying, God, help me. And, and, and I also see you disappointed. I see you saying, God didn't help me. And you're hurt. Do you know what? The fact that I see that tells me God saw you and he heard you and he is going to do what you long him to do. And he said, wow, how did you know that? I said, I didn't. <laughs> Somebody showed me. 
So don't give up. All right? So many lessons for us in this. First of all, please go into those dark areas. Please just don't keep your fun, your fellowship just to members of your family, people in your cell groups, your Christian friends. There are people out there who are just longing to see Christ. And at the moment, perhaps, you and I are the only Christ they will see. Uh, uh, what I mean by that is that Christ in us. And we are the only Jesus for many of these people. And if you go there with love and commitment and a listening ear, you will be able to point out some of the signs that God has been giving them. And oh, 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 how we wish we could flick that switch. But it is only the Holy Spirit who can bring that revelation. So remember that. This Christmas time, see what you can do. Into the new year, build friendships. And it's very demanding and time-consuming, I know. But we don't want to be like the priest and the Levite who passed on the other side because we, we, we can't go near there. We've, we've got church business, temple business to fulfill. Let's not be so church-orientated and think that Christian disciplines and activities take up everything in our life that we, we don't have the time to cross the world. Word, cross the world. Hmm, maybe somebody's going to have to do that. I don't know. But I meant cross the road. Cross the road to the other side to see somebody bleeding and dying and in need of a good Samaritan. Well, how wonderful that when he came, he brought in a new season. And I would say the new season because when Christ came, the kingdom came and nothing will ever be the same again. Don't look just at the news that you see in BBC, CNN, and, and all, all of that. Don't look at that, hear the facts, but know that there is a truth higher than those facts. The world that appears in chaos is in the palm of the hand of a loving God who has already sent his son into this world and is bringing forth his Logos purpose for the whole of the world, wooing and seeking to win people who will cooperate with his will, receive his will, and enter into the kingdom of God and experience the fullness of his joy. God is at work. And if the God who is at work cosmically and in a macro fashion is also the God who is working out the microscopic details of your life, there is no detail too small for God to ignore about you. He is cognizant. He is aware of every single situation. And when you look at your life and you can make no sense of it, you can create no pattern out of the apparent chaos of the stuff that is coming at you and against you and you're in the midst of it, don't, don't for one moment forget that God has it all in hand. God has it all. And things, things are about to change. And it all began 2,000 years ago when heaven invaded the earth. A massive invasion. And it was an invasion of love. An invasion of light. An invasion of hope. 
an invasion of restoration because that's what Christianity is all about. The restoration of our lives unto the original plan which shall be fulfilled because God is working and will continue to work until it is finished in your life. And it was an invasion of the fullness of God. Now I need to say that because there are many stories in lots of different religions of many gods or demigods coming and going and appearing and saying this and saying that. But never in the history of world religion is there anything that matches this. The fullness of God in bodily form. This was not some little demigod, some temporary appearance. This was God in the person of his son, fully manifested, carrying the fullness of God. And that's why John says in John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came himself, and his name is Jesus. From his fullness, we have all received. What that means is that he is sufficient. He's enough. And there is no need that you will ever have that is, that's going to stretch his fullness, going to sap his fullness. His, his fullness is infinite. That's why we know where to go when we need help. And his name is Jesus. So of course, as I say, it is impossible to overestimate the significance of God coming in human form. But I'm putting it this way today. It was the change in this season that was the key change that changed everything. And we live and walk in the light of that knowledge and that revelation. And it is a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith. There's no doubt about it. Because at, at this time, we don't see it so much with our earthly eyes. But when we look upon him in the eyes of faith, that kingdom is manifested in us and the signs of it are everywhere. You know that I've been uh, talking to you about uh, a new, fresh, and coming move of God. And uh, this is what I'm so excited about because I'm sensing tremendous shifts in the spiritual realm. And uh, the season of God is changing. God is working and a new season is coming. And it's a season we're going to speak much, much more about this and we'll take it bit by bit as God shows us and we're going to walk into, into this new season as a church. It's a season of refreshing. It's a season of power. It's a season of grace. It's a season of fulfillment. And it won't just be what's going to happen and is happening in the church buildings, and that's important. But we're going to be so full of the glory of God, and we're going to carry that glory with us. And 
for a lot of the time, we won't even know we're carrying it. We'll just be, feel so full, so full of joy. And, and to some people, they'll look at us and say, why is your face shining? What is that cream you are using? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's not cream. It's no oil. It is the cream of the Holy Ghost. It is the oil of the Holy Spirit. I think of it about like, like this. I have a, a Bible study um, on the anointing oil, the recipe that they used. God gave them the recipe, and they had to put ingredients together, the work of a perfumer, very, very rare, beautiful uh, uh, extracts, and, and a lot of the stuff that went into that was by cutting, by grinding, by crushing, by heating, all the kind of things that you and I don't like in our life. Oh, Lord, use me, but don't crush me. Ooze me, but don't cut me. Give me blessing, but don't heat me up too much, please. And soon, soon, many of the things that you'll look back on and say, I don't understand why that happened. I just trust him, but I don't understand it. You will understand because it will be like the work of a beautiful perfumer who takes and crushes and blends spices and oils together and heats them and separates them. And the finished product is the most beautiful, holy anointing oil with the fragrance of heaven. That's coming forth in your life. You will see more anointing than you've seen for a very, very long time. And it won't just be more. It'll be new and fresh. And people will notice it. It'll be as if you have a, a, a perfume on you. And they'll be saying, what is that you are wearing? And you say, his name is Mr. Holy Ghost. No, no, you won't say that you will, you, because they won't understand that. But they will notice that you've been in the presence of Jesus and you will spread the fragrance of Christ in ways that you will not imagine and at times in ways that you will not even be conscious of. Only later will they say, the first time I met you, I knew there was something different about you. That's what somebody said to me recently. I said, well, you should have told me that on that first day, but they didn't. Amen and amen. So, as a result of his coming, the times and seasons changed. Now, uh, the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 2 and verse 21, there's a verse coming up there. Um, maybe you will recall the story of Daniel. He was one of the noble youth who was deported uh, under the imperial rule of Babylon, the emperor, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was amongst the early exiles, and, and he, together with some of his friends, were handpicked by the stewards of the king as talented young men whom the king could bring into their service. Now, Daniel had a gift, the gift of interpretation of dreams. And God positioned him in the right place. It seemed to be disastrous. It seemed to be like everything against what you might expect that godly young people placed in ungodly situations but retaining their fragrance and their love for God. Isn't that what we need today? Everyone, I don't want to speak to the young people, but every one of us, every one of us, God will take you and put you in a dark place that you might shine for him. All right? But you have to keep fresh and you have to keep ready because you never know when you're going to need it. Well, the day came 
when Daniel needed his gift. And that was the only thing that would separate him from death. The only thing that would stop the king's plan from working, to have all the wise men of Babylon put to death, was Daniel's gift. The story goes like this. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and the dream troubled him. He saw an image, and in that, God was revealing to the nations God's plan. You read Daniel, God's plan from that day right up until the coming of Christ and the return of Jesus Christ. No wonder the dream troubled the king. And the king called all his wise people. There were those skilled in all the arts of the occult. There were the, there were the uh, 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 um, diviners, divination people. There were the people who could, who could interpret the signs of the, in the sky. There were the astrologers. Everybody together, including Daniel and his friends. And the king said, now I've had a dream and I want you to interpret it. Who can interpret the dream? So doubtless, a spokesman came forward and said, Oh, king, king, grovel, grovel, grovel. Oh, king, of course, we will interpret the dream. No problem, but you'll have to tell us what the dream is. And the king said, No, I'm not going to fall for that one. If you are who you say you are, and you really have divine communion, you tell me both the dream and its interpretation. Of course, nobody could do it. There are some things that only God can do. And secrets and revelation of secrets is God's business. God grant us such spiritual wisdom and revelation that we'll receive words which open and unlock the secrets of people's hearts, the secret of the destiny of nations. You never know when you will be called to say it. You never know. And you say, well, I don't mix with royalty. Okay. I, I never get a chance to speak to the prime minister. I'm not a person of influence. God can position you. You can be a doorkeeper. You can be a toilet cleaner. Or you can be the prince of princes in that region. God can use you. And so the king said, no way. I'm not going to tell you. You've got to tell me. So they said, oh, 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 king, 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 king. You know, you know what, what you are saying? Nobody. Nobody in the history of divination. No king has ever asked such a thing. It's, it's impossible. Well, if it's not possible, all of you, you're going to die. That's what kind of king he was. Yeah, you think our government is bad. Anyway, so, so, so Daniel said, we're all going to die. No, we're not. Because I know a God who tells the secrets and reveals mysteries. So this time... Daniel went to pray and he said, God, will you show me both what the dream was and its interpretation? And God said, yes. So they all got together again and Daniel stepped forward and he had the answer. How wonderful if you're walking in the Holy Spirit, sometimes you will be the only person with the answer and you can smile sweetly and humbly and say, I know a God who gives answers to secrets. I know a God who can fix this situation. I know a God who will manifest himself as you turn to him. Now, I said all that to say this, Daniel 2.21, Daniel stands up and announces, I'm giving you a kind of preview of what your dream is all about, but let me tell you this, I know a God who changes times and seasons, 
He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now, if the king had really knew, known what was going on, Daniel would say, King, your time is, is going to come to an end. And the God who raised up the Babylonian kingdom is going to raise up another kingdom and then another kingdom and then the kingdom of all kingdoms. The kingdom will swallow up every other kingdom. The kingdom of God shall come and the rule and reign of everlasting righteousness shall come in. I have to read the whole of the book of Daniel to get that. But never mind. He changes times and seasons. And that, that stuck out for me because we are moving in seasons. And, and, and the big season is the Christmas season. Not just that it's the big time of the year, it is the big time in history. Big time when he came. That brought in the new season. The kingdom of God showed up. But within that big, big, big season, that big shift of season, where the Old Testament is replaced by the New, not, it's fulfilled in the New Testament, and the stuff, the seeds that were sown in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. When we see that, the seeds turn to fruit, and that's what's going to happen in so many of your lives. So many of you people here, the seeds that God has sown in, in, in times of old, in the past, uh, have taken root, and they've begun to sprout, and keep watching this space because the root is going to turn to fruit when the new season of God comes in your life. Amen and amen. So, so, the new season. And I... I want you to know that there is a big shift. Now, I'm not trying to be clever today and, you know, and spout forth, but I do know this. It is changing. Things are changing. There's realignment going on in the spiritual realm. Big, wonderful changes, awesome changes are going to be revealed in the near future in your life. Big changes, awesome changes, according to the plan and purpose of God, because Logos has come. Purpose has come, Christ has come, and he's fulfilling God's purpose in your life. So from the old to the new. And you know what is interesting to me? Um, you, re you read the Old Testament. I hope you have a daily Bible reading plan. We published one for you which takes you through the whole of the Bible. Yes, including the book of Leviticus. And the book of Numbers, which is exactly what it says, Numbers. And then you'll read some of the conflicts. And you'll read some of the attacks and the suffering and all that goes on in the Old Testament. You say, oh, wow, what is that all about? And then you turn the page. And Malachi leads to Matthew. And you begin to see... God was working all the time. And what becomes increasingly apparent is in the time of fulfillment, you become more and more aware of how God took care of the promise. It's easy to lose sight of the promise in times of difficulty. But those are the times, I think Bruce mentioned it like this, those are the times when the birth pains are happening. And it's uncomfortable. But as you go through it, move into a season of joy and fulfillment. But when it's happened, you'll say, of course, now I understand why that happened and this happened, why I had to go through this, why that person 
did that, this to me. I understand now because it has all been working together for good and bringing forth God's fulfillment in my life. The season is changing. God is on the move. And the realignment that is taking place in the heavenlies is so profound that I don't think we're even going to recognize ourselves in the very near future. Things are going to happen to us. They're going to carry us along. We're going to walk in a righteousness with effortless power and enablement from the Holy Spirit. It'll be his power. We have to cooperate, make effort, but his power. We're going to see long-standing promises fulfilled and in some instances amended because we have got the wrong idea about some of them. And God says, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to give you that. You think that's on the agenda. I'm going to give you something much, much better. If only you will wait and trust in me. There is a time and a season for everything. The season of God has is, is moving and changing. God's purposes are going forward. And, and we will look back on this period of time and say, what was it ever like that? Look at it now. It's changed. Something has happened. God is doing a new thing. God's season is upon your life. Give him a big praise. We're going to pray right now.